Welcome to Simply Finance, the podcast series designed to educate Australia on simply everything finance. Welcome to this week's episode of Simply Finance, brought to you by Positive Lending Solutions. My name is Matt Tarrant, and once again, I'm joined by Julian Richards to chat about some of the big money stories of our history. Julian, thanks so much for joining me again, mate. Happy to be here, Matt. Cheers. Cheers for having me. Now, this week, we're talking about one of the more interesting characters of Australia's past, Christopher Scase. Now, I know you've loved, I guess, listening and learning his journey along the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. It's a mind-boggling chapter of Australian criminal history. I can't wait to hear all about it. And I guess for those who don't know, uh, Christopher Scase is a name I think most people would recognize. But for those who don't know who he was, basically Christopher was his huge corporate success. Uh, And then basically he turned into what was, I guess, at the time, like Australian's Bond villain. And to this day, he's still one of the most famous or perhaps infamous white collar criminals in Australian history. So I guess before you get into the whole story of Christopher Scase, I kind of want to touch on a couple of quick facts that I learned while researching Christopher. Uh, the first one you might not be aware of, uh, in, at the time he actually tried and then failed to buy Hollywood studio MGM. Uh, that actually was partly, I guess, part of his big fall. Uh, but at the time he also owned most of Channel 7, uh, five resorts and the AFL team, the Brisbane Bears, who are now the Lions, and some of the most expensive homes in Queensland at the time. This dude was pretty well off, right? Uh, He also at one point claimed to be too sick to return to Australia to face the justice in the 90s when he was discovered to be doing all these inappropriate things. Now, prosecutors called it all fake, but then he proved them wrong by dying of cancer in 2001. He also built the small Tasmanian company Quintex into a multi-billion dollar company that owns several TV stations in Australia, which unfortunately did collapse as well in 1991. And that failure, in fact, led to the collapse of the State Bank of Victoria in the same year, which was the largest corporate bankruptcy in Australian history. At the same time, Scase was paying himself and his fellow executives millions in management fees. Now, at the time when he declared bankruptcy, Scase claimed he had only $170 in cash and a few clothes and books. And this is despite, at the time, having millions of dollars of homes, luxury goods and plenty of fine art. And for those, I guess, who were born maybe in the thousands, you might have seen there was a comedy movie released called Let's Get Scase, which was released in 2001. So this guy was pretty big news, not only in Australia, I guess mainly in Australia, but across the world. He's a name that is known across the world for being this dodgy, dodgy bloke. So Julian, can you maybe get me started into, I guess, a story of Scase, how it all begun? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Fascinating story. It actually started um, prior to the to the mid seventies. Scase was a stockbroker at the time, um, and he soon became a finance journalist. So had a background in finance and money and that kind of things. So then in the mid seventies, he developed uh, Quintex, the Tasmanian company that you um, mentioned before. Um, Quintex was a household name by even by the mid eighties. Uh, I'd owned seven uh, several. TV stations here in Australia, and uh, as you mentioned, there's world-class um, resorts up in Queensland. The most famous, I think, was the Mirage Resort, which is still functioning to, to this day. Um, and that Mirage uh, Resort up in Port Douglas really was the, the jewel in um, Scase's crown, as, as, as people mentioned. Um, 
was one of the first luxury resorts up in far north Queensland. So Skates really did have an empire stretching from, if you include Tasmania, where Quintex uh, originated from, right up to north Queensland, so right along the uh, east coast of Australia. Um, it really put the uh, or Port Douglas on the international tourism map. Um, and surprisingly, even American presidents stayed there. So, uh, you know, it really was a big deal. Um, Skase was, as you mentioned, one of the richest people uh, in Australia um, in the mid '80s, and he really represented, you know, that that the greed fueled '80s, as a lot of people say. For example, um, you know, he had a private jet, of course, naturally, um, through insanely lavish parties, um, and what one. A particular Christmas party, which back in the mid '80s cost $450,000, so mega dollars today. Um, and one of the most famous incidences was when he flew his private jet from Port Douglas down to Melbourne to pick up a dress for his wife. You know, kind of like a an Uber delivery almost. So I guess this guy at the time was one of the most richest and powerful men in Australia. So how does it all go so wrong? I mean, it's always, I think, the most interesting thing for me where it does go bad. What happened to cause this downfall? Well, it was really in the late 80s, so in about 19, uh, 1988, 1989, um, his house of cards, if you will, kind of fell uh, when Quintex, as you mentioned, tried to buy MGM um, for $1.5 billion at the time it was. You know, the lawsuits that followed um, were insanely costly and uh, Skase had to sell some of his profitable uh, resorts up in uh, Queensland, as we mentioned. You know, Skase began moving money into foreign bank accounts when he, in, in July 1989, sorry, when he knew that things weren't looking good. Um, so that kind of raised a, a few eyebrows. Um, in October that year, October 1989, um, Skase actually demanded that his company, Quintex, um, pay him $13.5 million um, into another private company of his. So there was a lot of money moving around. And Skase obviously knew that um, you know, the noose was tightening, so to speak, um, to make things worse. Um, Skase actually made that payment without the, the board of directors, the board's uh, consent. So that kind of, um, you know, uh, raised more red flags to what was going on behind the scenes there. And, um, to make things even worse than that, uh, if, if you can imagine, Skase demanded a pay rise or he'd, quote, quit his job. Um, you know, so things weren't going too well at Quintex, which is uh, his primary source of income or was his primary source of income. The unapproved payment that I mentioned before um, from Quintex into one of his private companies was uh, reported to the Australian Securities Commission. Um, the authorities were obviously keen to investigate as they no doubt been hearing rumours of... Um, suspicious activities there at Quintex and um, consequently Quintex collapsed. Um, meanwhile, Skase liquidated what he could and funneled cash out of Australia and, you know, sensing the heat bearing down and then relocated to Spain, which at the time did not have a extradition laws with Australia. Um, Skase was actually arrested in Australia and did spend time, a short, a short amount of time, I believe, in jail. But um, unfortunately, uh, he was released and allowed to have his passport back. No doubt put a smile on his face because he fled off to Spain as quick as possible. Um, so really the people who were out of pocket were the creditors, many banks and investors who he, whom he owed money to for you know, Quintex and other investments. Um, and Skase was forced to, to sell Channel 7 for just a fraction of what he paid for it. So, you know, things were, things were looking awful. By 1991, Skase was out of reach of Australia and there was no extradition treaty, as I mentioned. So really, that's um, that's the downfall, man. 
Mate, this all sounds like a uh, an absolute movie, doesn't it? It sounds like a Netflix special on one of these crazy tycoons, and I guess it probably has been as well. So he's now living in Spain. What's life like for Skase in Spain? Well, in typical Skase fashion, super awesome. Paid for by Australia, mind you. You know, mainly the Australian banks and investors, as, as mentioned. Um, he lived in ultra-luxury homes and wined and dined in expensive uh, restaurants, all while apparently being, inverted commas, too sick to fly, which actually, yeah, surprisingly turned out to be true in the end. So we can't extradite him back to Australia. So, so, so what does the Australian justice system do to try to get him back to Australia and face the courts here? Well, the Australian government basically bent over backwards, you know, spent big dollars trying to trying to get him back, took him to court as much as they could in, in Spain each time he showed up in wheelchairs and, quote, faking sick, that kind of thing. So there's quite a lot of a, a media storm in Australia and in Spain. Um, and then one of the most famous incidences was when, I'm sure you're familiar with Andrew, Andrew Denton, um, I think he's on the ABC now, um, set up a fund, um, a public fund, uh, in order to hire bounty hunters to actually kidnap Skase and bring him back to Australia. Um, but it was never, it never came to fruition because you know, I think there were a fair few legalities, but it really showed the, um, you know, the, the extent that Australia and Australians were prepared to go to, to, to bring him back. Um, I think there were multiple times through the uh, through the 90s when the Australian government took him to court in Spain and and Skase, of course, showed up, you know, faking sick, again, inverted commas. We have bounty hunters. We have people traveling across the universe. It is starting to sound a bit like an episode of Star Wars. Why did they say he was faking being sick? I mean, well, you know, that's a pretty big claim to make. Why was that? Well, I guess there were multiple times when he was taken to court by the Australians uh, in Spain and he'd show up to court literally in a wheelchair hooked up to a ventilator. Um, and then you know, days later, sometimes you know, a couple of hours later, he was filmed walking his dog or playing tennis or swimming or something like that in apparent good health. So obviously everyone was saying, hang on a minute, you, yesterday you'd be in a wheelchair too sick to fly and the very next day you're walking your dog on a beach in Spain things just weren't adding up. He sounds like such a smart man, but such a man who also maybe, I don't know, there's a little bit of maybe arrogance to him, I guess, to be able to think that he can just get away with doing these things. But I guess at some point it all comes crashing down to an end for him. So, so what happened at the end? What were those last months like? Well, pretty, pretty rough again um, for poor old uh, Scacy, poor old, if you can, if you can say that. Um, but, you know, after all these fake sick episodes that he pulled off, he actually died of stomach cancer in 2001. So, you know, I guess at the end of the day, he did prove the Australian justice system wrong by showing, you know, giving the ultimate sacrifice that he really was sick, died of dying of cancer. So we never got him back and he never faced justice. Well, I want to touch on that because we did go out to our listeners for some questions to see if anyone had any questions about Skase. And uh, I'm going to go to Claire from Perth, who actually did mention something about, I guess, his death. I think Claire's a bit of a conspiracy theorist and she wanted to know, do you think he was murdered? Could it have been a whole cover up by the Australian government? Well, you know, there's always those tinfoil hat types out there, um, but I don't think so. You know, it's such a such a publicised, huge, high high profile event. Um, no, I don't think he was um, he was murdered or anything like that. I think an autopsy was done by the Spanish authorities, and you know, it was um, passed and believed and accepted. But a uh, good theory, though. 
And then one more, we do have another email from Peter from Ipswich, uh, who wanted to know, I guess, all the people that lost money along the way, all these pocket investors, did any of their money come back? Uh, minimal to none, it would seem. So like the, you know, like other people in Skase's shoes, um, Jordan Belfort's another one that, that gets thrown out there in that kind of basket and Bernie Maddox and those kind of guys. Um, so no, no, only uh, only really insurance kind of dollars came came to them, but uh, not, not that much from Skase, minimal to none again. It always seems to be the case, unfortunately. Now, I guess if we want to find out more about Skase, we can have a look at the uh, the comedy movie, I guess. Let's get Skase. I'm sure there's also plenty of documentaries out there as well. Mate, what a journey it's been to hear, I guess, a story on Christopher Skase and his whole life. I'm sure you found it really interesting the last couple of weeks researching everything about him. Anything we should know before we finish this off today? I think we've covered about everything, Matt, just a famous, famous uh, time in Australian white collar criminal history. And, you know, like you mentioned, it really is a theme for a Netflix or underbelly episode or something like that, which I'd love them to to produce. You know, that would be fantastic. But, um, yeah, definitely research more as far as case goes, because he's a fascinating or was a fascinating character. Well, let's do a call out to Netflix. You can be a director and uh, we'll get that film going, mate. As always, Julian, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you joining me, mate. Thanks again and we'll chat to you again next week. Much appreciated. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Simply Finance, brought to you by Positive Lending Solutions. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. And you can find both myself, Matt Tarrant, and Julian Richards across all social media platforms. And of course, Positive Lending Solutions via the Positive Group Facebook page and LinkedIn. And be sure to join us next week where we discuss another big name in Australian finance history, Kerry Packer. We look forward to joining you then. All of the ideas and advice discussed in this podcast is of a general nature only. Always consult a financial expert like the ones at Positive Lending Solutions before applying for credit or making a financial decision.